Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Tom Colomose of the Evening Standard. He's making his debut, so be gentle with him. Speaking of newcomers, Gareth Southgate has named his first England squad. His first press conference as England manager was measured and impressive. Question is, though, is he a long-term solution, Darren? I think he could be. Uh, He has a chance to be. I think that the long-term solution should be English. I'll get to that in a second. But I think as far as Southgate is concerned, very interesting, you know, 20 years ago he was in the spotlight for different reasons. And he alluded to that, actually, in the press conference. He said, you know, I had people doorstepping me after Euro 96. We all know about his missed penalty and the spotlight that had been on him at the time. He's had a few pressure situations in club management. He's been manager of the under-21s. So... Weirdly enough, he knows how to handle this sort of situation. And I think the way he spoke in that press conference suggested as much. He's come up through that development system. Interestingly, speaking to him last week, Tom, you know, he was quite open that when he became manager at club level, he didn't have a clue what he was doing. All the data was coming at him. He had to deal with pre-seasons. Now he's a bit more measured. Do you think also it will help that he'll actually respond to some of the younger players in the group? I think it may do, and I think to go back to the original question about whether he's a long-term solution, I think he undoubtedly is, because the cachet of international jobs is now far less than it once was. The big managers want big jobs in the Champions League much more than at international level, and I think international management is a different skill, there are far fewer games, and you have to be attuned to the rhythms of that. Fabio Capello, hugely successful at club level, very poor at international level, so perhaps Southgate, because of what he's learned with the under-21s, will prosper with the senior side, because he isn't going from a standing start. He kind of knows what it's about, albeit at a much more important level that he's now going on to. So, Darren, the principle of an Englishman managing the England team, is that something you support? I do. I think, what is the point of international football? It's our best against your best. It isn't about the, the idea that you haven't done well for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. You've tried lots of different managers. You've thrown money at the problem. Let's go and get the best guy out there. Everyone's talking about Arsene Wenger. Well, actually, if you look at the last 10 years, the first 20, 10 years of Arsene Wenger's tenure at Arsenal, obviously superb invincibles, doubles and, and, and leagues and whatever else. The second 10 years, he hasn't even been that great. And lots of Arsenal fans would be glad, glad to see the back of him. But I just think in general terms... Can the FA really turn around to Premier League clubs 
and accuse them not, of not investing in young English players if they are not doing more to inspire young English coaches by putting an Englishman at the very top of the English pyramid. I think it's a job for an Englishman. We have to do what Wales have done, Mike, and uh, forgive me for labouring this point, but we keep saying that the pool of talent for English coaches to take the top job is, is very small. But you look at Wales, they've had Toshak, they've had Flynn, they've had Mark Hughes, his first job in management, they gave him the Welsh job, you know, because they trusted him. They gave him an opportunity and he delivered. We would never consider giving an, an Alan Shearer, a Rio Ferdinand, or someone who, uh, even an Eddie Howe, who has been in management before, we would dismiss him as being too young. There's a little bit of arrogance in this country. It's not good enough for a, a guy who we can trust and invest in. And that's what we're talking about, investment. We're not talking about just handing it to someone. We're talking about trusting one of our own. And if we can't do then I think that's a sad state of affairs. Mm. Talking about trusting one of our own, Tom, one of the points that, that Gareth made at his first press conference was to actually restate his faith in Wayne Rooney as a leader. He said he was one of the outstanding leaders, or if not the outstanding leader in the group. Do you see that as a short-term measure? Uh, that he will be captain. You know, sometimes we get carried away by captaincy, don't we? Definitely, absolutely. It's always something that puzzles colleagues in other countries. I'm sure it's something Darren's experienced as well. This importance that we attach to the captaincy, you get. I remember, I think it was Euro 2008, an English journalist asking Roberto Donadoni, who was then in charge of Italy, who'd be the captain because Cannavaro was injured, and Donadoni just went, "Well, the most cap player." <laughs> that's, that's how they decided it. There wasn't this importance attached to it. But to return to your question, Southgate's a diplomatic man. He's not a guy to go in there after such a turbulent week and say, right, well, do you know what? I don't think Wayne Rooney's good enough to be on my side. So that's the sensible, diplomatic, safe thing to do at this stage. Um, whether it's a long-term option, I don't think so, because I think that Wayne Rooney's a player in decline. If you look at when he started playing first-team football regularly, he was 16, 17, so clearly he's going to diminish at a younger age. So I think Rooney captain now is a safe, sensible option for Southgate to say, but in the long term, I shouldn't imagine he'll be captain in Russia. You see, I, I, I agree with you on Rooney. I think long term, yeah, I, I, you've got to move on. He is in decline. I disagree with you on the captaincy issue, actually, uh, because I think ever since we were kids and we had teams, we picked a captain. You know, you have you need leadership. What did we not have in that game against Iceland? Leadership. We didn't have someone to grab the team by the scruff of the neck to lead from the front with their performances. John Terry, he may well be a divisive figure for Chelsea, but there is no doubt about the leadership he shows that team. Roy Keane, Manchester United, all great teams have mm. great leadership. And I think you should have somebody that the players can look to in a moment of distress and say... What are you going to do for us? Are you going to take us through the pain? And I think if you do have somebody who is able to show that leadership in a football team, you can get success. Oh, I agree with you, but I think I completely agree with you on that point. But I think we attach this kind of mythical status to the captain. Oh, the England captain is such a huge honour and everybody wants to be it and everything. I think you need to be more pragmatic about it. As you say, right, this is the best leader and get on with it. I think we as a nation are too obsessed with it, though. Yeah, speaking of leadership... Did the FA show the right sort of leadership in showing Sam Allardyce the door? I think yes. I think you have to commend them for the fact that they moved so quickly once they realised that his position was untenable. Lots of people come up with this idea that he didn't break any laws. Um, he, he, he only talked to them about it. But the fact was that in talking about circumventing the rules of his employer, Sam Allardyce, the public face of the FA in the biggest, high, highest profile job in the land, you would argue, 
made his position untenable. And I think even by placing himself in that room, people say the stuff he said about the players, oh, they don't care, they've heard it before. The fact is he met these guys a couple of times, he was willing to give them the secrets of the England dressing room. So in many respects, he'd lost the trust of the nation as much of as his, as his employers. I think he had to go, and I, have, I think the FA moved very, very quickly, because had he stayed, this week would be dominated by Sam Allardyce and Sam Allardyce's judgment and the lurid, acrid smell of all of the negativity that had surrounded him. I was in Russia last week. That audio, that video, that story, wall to wall everywhere. They were having a right old laugh at the fact that we love to lob grenades at them and suggest that their game is in crisis and enveloped by all of the negative. I don't want to use a C word, but mm, I, I mm. it's enveloped by all of the negativity. Suddenly we had a problem to deal with and I think the FA were right to deal with it as quickly as they did. I think as well, in a purely pragmatic sense, it was going to undermine his authority with the players too. 100%. Because they'll have been sniggering about it. They mm. will. You know what? We've all well, you only school. had to We've see been... how quickly that, that postcard from Sam hit, hit the exactly. press. Very, exactly. very quickly. But any slightly dodgy decision he made, anything that the players didn't like, they'll have all been talking about that behind his back. And even though it might seem like a trifling thing, that does reduce your authority quite substantially, quite quickly as well. I think it's really important that an international manager is not revered by the players, but as they don't see him that often, it has to be somebody that, goodness, we really respect this guy, he's a, a top man. They've seen Allardyce been stung, really, by newspaper reporters saying some fairly silly things. That doesn't look great, does it, for the squad? And one of the statements of intent that Gareth Southcout has already made is to bring uh, Marcus Rashford mm. back into the senior side from the under-21s. Mm. You know, I saw that game against Norway, scored that hat-trick, he was so so much better than anything around him. I think it's the right move. I don't think you do. Well, <laughs> yes and no. I, I think it, I, I accept because myself and and Tom were, were debating this before we came in. And I was saying, I think it's in some respects, yes, I do see it as the right move because as Tom was making, did you make the right point? He did look so far above his contemporaries when he was playing with them. That said, I do remember the days of Shearer, Ferdinand, Ian Wright, Andy Cole, uh, where you had, you know, they, these guys were scoring 20-plus goals and getting into England squads and getting into major... Now you score, he scored four goals in nine appearances this season. Last season he scored nine in 21. He barely started playing for Manchester United in, what, January, February. He only was called up because there was an injury to another player and he came in and no one had ever heard of him and there was talk of people having to Google him at the time when he made the first team. Yeah. Essentially, is playing for Manchester United a qualification for playing for England rather than actually doing something in the game? Some people just look right when they play international football, don't they? They just yeah. look as though they understand it, they're not worried by it, they can adapt to it. And he falls into that category, absolutely, for me. You saw him score in his debut, I think it was friendly against Australia. He was one of the few who emerged from the European Championships with any credit, really. Now, of course, he will come under far more pressure, but the same could apply to Deli Ali last season. Very quickly mm. elevated to the England senior squad on the back of a few first-team appearances for Tottenham. Now, nobody's questioning the wisdom of that decision. So I can see what Darren says, but that was a richer playing era, I think, um, when you had all those... 20 yes. goal a season English strikers, we maybe now don't have the luxury and I do think Rashford just looks as though he's right, he knows what he's doing, he deserves to be in the senior squad. I, 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 I yield on that point. I would say, however, we do have 
the footballer of the year. We do have the Golden Boot winner. I know he's injured at the moment. Uh, we do have a Jermaine Defoe who's scoring goals. Uh, the goals that kept Sunderland in the Premier League last season. He's not going to come back, though, is he? Jim well, you Jermaine see, Defoe. If, if Jermaine Defoe were not English, if he were French, if he were Italian... I think Jermaine Defoe would still be around the national side. But I think we get to a certain age in this country and you're cast overboard. And I think Jermaine Defoe still does have a lot of experience to offer this country. Mm. I think if, if, if you, you've got Daniel Sturridge, people may say what they want about his attitude and the fact that he's not injured, uh, sorry, he's not fit uh, that often, but we still have him. We still have senior players that we could thrust into the spotlight instead of getting Rashford and saying, there you go, you've scored a handful of goals, you're in the senior team now. Speaking of experience, Southgate's brought back Glenn Johnson you know, two years after he, he had a poor World Cup. Um, he explained that by saying, look, you know, what the Euros proved was that we're susceptible to pressure. You need experience to counteract that pressure and to add some sort of weight to some of the younger players in the squad. Do you understand that rationale? I suppose so, yes. And, of course, Nathaniel Klein's not around, is he? So, he injured, ordinarily, yeah. he would have been there. You can't expect that Johnson will play. Nevertheless, it probably doesn't say that much about the quality that's available, um, to use a football cliche, with all due respect to Glenn Johnson. Um, <laughs> that Which is none at all. The, <laughs> that the right-back for Stoke, who are struggling in the Premier League this year, is back in the international squad. I think that does highlight the lack of options that England have in certain positions, perhaps. I do agree with that, you know, because that's the, the context Tom gives is the right one. Stoke is struggling. Stoke are, all, Stoke are awful defensively. Mm. Um, so you have to question why you would call up a Glenn Johnson, but not a Kieran Trippier, for example, who's come into the team uh, at periods with the best defensive record in the Premier League. They had it last season as well, Spurs. Um, you would maybe invest in him, and, and that's that word again, invest, because you give these guys a chance, they learn from the environment, and I know I'm probably at odds with what I was saying before in terms of Marcus Rashford, but Trippier's been around a lot longer, and I think he would be a better option if you're looking for an understudy for the first team. He does it for his club, why would he not do it for his country? What's interesting about that, actually, which I'd ask both you guys, is how much importance do you attach to playing regularly for your club? as a qualification for playing for the national side. Because one of the things that was understandably buried in the Allardyce quotes was that he said, Jack Wilshire not playing regularly, Oxlade-Chamberlain can't pick him. Is that the way you guys see it? Because I think maybe now when there's so few English players playing regularly, you have to be a bit more flexible. I, I think that we do have the options to be able to be a bit more flexible. And I think for that, that is precisely the reason why Wilshire's gone to Bournemouth because he knows that if he doesn't go to Bournemouth and he sits on uh, the sidelines at Arsenal, he doesn't have any chance. At least by going to Bournemouth, he has some chance. Barkley, he's not doing that well at Everton. He hasn't, oh, I'll qualify that, he hasn't continued as well as he started because no, he had a great start to the season but he's lost his way a bit but at least he is playing if you're not playing it's much harder for a manager to shoehorn you in and if he does then he's wide open to the accusation of shoehorning a player or showing favouritism if you like mm. uh, towards a player who isn't playing as regularly as others are and doing well. Mm. Now both of you guys were at, uh, at Tottenham yesterday for what looks like a really valid contender to be game of the season. Mm. Um, what did that say about Tottenham? But let's look at individuals with an England slant on initially. You know, talking about right backs, I thought Walker was fantastic. I'd agree. Um, Danny Rose, you know, exactly the same sort of energy. But the one who really caught my eye, as usual, 
was Deli Alley. Now, there's someone, surely, that England should be saying, right, we're going to build this team around him for the next 10 years. And where do you play him? I think uh, what's been... I agree with that. I think Pochettino, when they played against Monaco in the Champions League, was quite a watershed for him. He played Ali in that central midfield role in the two in the four-two-three-one. He didn't want to play there. He was caught well ahead of the ball at least two or three times Monaco broke. Ever since then, Pochettino has clearly thought, right, I need this bloke as far away from our goal as possible. Adjusted the formation to a 4-1-4-1 in the last few games and it's really benefited Ali because he's doing his damage so much closer to the opposition box. You look yesterday for his goal. He was the one making that run when the ball was deflected. Drew a foul from Otamendi that brought a free kick. Eriksen went close, won the penalty. So I think getting him so much further forward, even beyond that 10 roll, you know, running beyond the striker, is his best position. He could easily be a 10-goal-a-season man from that, couldn't he? It's interesting because Tom sees Spurs even more than I do and, and, and we, we would both agree that Ali seems to have an understanding with Son Heung mean that Absolutely. Uh, you can see it the first game they played together. Absolutely. Last season. Straight away, yeah. he's got the understanding that he had with Harry Kane. Mm. The two of them never really more than 10 yards away from each other at any given point. And that's why they were able to combine so effectively mm. yesterday. Mm. Lovely little ball, goal. wasn't it, for the goal? Super. super. Moment of the match for me, that was. Because mm. he couldn't have expected the ball to have reached him and to appreciate it that it was doing and then understand your options in a split second shows he's, he's a real class player, son. I, I love to watch him. And, you know, the alley situation that you ask about, it's the reason why we struggle so much with England because the answers, the options are screaming at us, staring at us in the face and yet we persist with Wayne Rooney who locks the side but because so many so-called experts say you've got to play him because he can play anywhere and they buy into it the, the England manager of the day buys into it mm. and the fact is that we have a young, dynamic, goal scoring player who can play in that position and form it an intelligent player can form the understanding with anyone who plays ahead of him. And Ali is a very intelligent player who's made the step up from several levels and just eased in as if he's been playing there all his life. For me, Ali's got to play there. What you do with Rooney, have him on the bench, you know, as an option to bring on. But I think you have to play Deli Ali there because he is making a case to be included that you cannot ignore. Give us an insight, Tom. You know, you know Pochettino well. Why is he such a good coach? What are his defining qualities and how good can he be? I think he's actually changed in the time that he's been at Spurs. I didn't see a lot of him at Southampton, but I've followed his entire time at Tottenham, 100 games plus. Um, from somebody who was quite conciliatory with his players at the start, I think, I think he knew who he rated and knew who he didn't, but there was an element there of getting the ones he wanted on side. Danny Rose even talks about him as a friend. I remember in the first season. It's dangerous for a manager. It, it is. <laughs> but he managed to ride that. And I think now he's actually much more of a disciplinarian. Um, it, you, When you speak to people, there's not many complaints about Pochettino, obviously from players who aren't playing. But generally, one of the, the things that slightly questions about him is that he doesn't feel the need to explain his decisions anymore. Whereas in the first season, you'd have people talking about, yes, I was brought in for a video analysis session, he showed me this, that and the other. It seems to be a lot less of that now. It's just one, one rule, do what I say, to quote the Magnificent Seven. Mm. Um, so I think that um, that could be a, a pitfall for him if results start to dip, but there's no signs of them showing of doing that. And one fascinating insight he gave into his philosophy, I think, was Darren was at the press conference as well before Man City. It was a question right at the end where 
the journalist said, we, when you were playing, did you ever think this manager doesn't know what he's doing? I'm really frustrated. And Pochettino's response was, no. You listen to the manager, you do what he says. There's, manager's the conductor of the orchestra, you do what you're told to do in that orchestra. And I thought that was incredibly significant for the way that he will continue his career. I think he's morphed into much more of a disciplinarian as his power at the club's increased. Mm. It's interesting. If you look at the two best... Um, the managers were the two best defences in the Premier League. They were two exceptional defenders, uh, Pochettino and Ronald Koeman at Everton. Koeman's conceded five goals so far this season. Uh, Pochettino's conceded three in the seven games so far. And I, I agree with Tom. Pochettino was less conciliatory, more authoritative. He's made some key decisions. He got Andrus Townsend out of the side. Whether you agree with the way he did it or not, the fact is that he's made his mark just similar Guardiola's done that with Joe Hart it's a statement that managers make rightly or wrongly to say look I'm in charge here and I think you can't argue with the decision so far because he's molded a fantastic defense joint best defensive record last season and they've built on it and they look a better side this time around didn't panic and buy another striker when he so easily could have bought Saida Berahino last season he stuck with Harry Kane now that Harry Kane's out Son Heung-min's come in and they've done superbly they look a superbly balanced side Mike and I think as far as Pochettino's concerned he he's building a dynasty there he isn't just building a team to win the league because Leicester have gone in terms of the league but Spurs are still there second in the league second in the Champions League he is building something for the next five years can they win the title I think they can but not if they're to sustain a long Champions League campaign I don't think I think that'll be beyond them I think their best chance of winning the title would be if they maybe got to the last 16 got one of the really strong teams and were eliminated. I'm not sure they could compete on both of those fronts mm. through a season. However, um, I think we should mention Toby Alderweireld. We haven't yet. He's been the key signing, I'd say, of the whole Pochettino era. The biggest difference to the quality of that defence changed when he arrived. He's, I'd say, the best centre-back in the league outstanding again yesterday and only £11 million. Pounds. Mm. What about City? You know, Pep Guardiola talked about needing maybe two or three years, which mm. is giving himself a lot of leeway, <laughs> isn't it? Um, what lessons would he have drawn? He needs to be better defensively. They've now conceded five goals in the last two games. Uh, and as I made the point before, Spurs have conceded three all season. I think as far as City are concerned going forward, they're fantastic. But other players, if they can manage to harness the... Somehow, if they can conjure up the fitness that Spurs managed to produce, 647 sprints they performed in the game against City. It will take fit teams to be able to do that, but... Other teams now know that if they can produce that level of fitness, they can take City on. But I think defensively is a big problem because they have been put by the their... The full-backs were all over the place. Well, and, and Kyle Walker got right on top of Raheem Sterling very quickly to the point that there was a moment towards the end of the first half where Walker won their duel. Sterling didn't even bother running back with him. Now, if I'm Guardiola and I'm looking at I'm not on the sideline, I'm a little bit worried because it's one of Guardiola's mantras, isn't it? Everybody... You always run, 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 press from the front, five seconds without the ball, win it back. Um, so, yeah, I'd be a little bit worried about the players on the flanks, as Darren pointed out. And they've got an interesting run coming up because I think they've got games against Everton, Barcelona, Southampton, Manchester United. It was after around about six games, five or six games, that the wheel started to come off last season. So... Let's see how good Guardiola is. I won't ask that question because we know how good Guardiola is. Um, but at the same time, I think it's starting to get tougher. The teams that they've played so far, 
with the exception of Manchester United, you would expect to side with the ambitions that City have to be challenging for uh, beating them on the way to challenging. Let's see how they do against the better organised teams, the more in the, 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 the more tactically savvy managers. Let's see how they get on. Will the wheels come off again or will he actually learn those lessons that you're talking mm. about? What about Liverpool, Tom? You know, when we come back after this international break, it's Liverpool v Man United, mm. big tribal battleground. Mm. Uh, Klopp was really downbeat, after, certainly after the first half performance against Swansea. Can he drive that team and can they, can they sustain the intensity demands of them? Well, Alex Ferguson would argue not, wouldn't he? Um, mm. There was a coaching forum in the summer where he criticised the way Liverpool right. played in the Europa League final against Sevilla when they won the up at half-time, so you can't sustain that intensity and ultimately that's why they were picked off by Sevilla. Um, I think I didn't think they would challenge as much as they had at the start of the season, but I think he has a couple of things in his favour, the lack of European football um, and also the fact that the players have had 12 months to get used to what he wants to do. Um, you look around the league, Manchester United, new manager, Manchester City, new manager, Chelsea, new manager. So Liverpool have that head start a bit and he's proved in other countries he can win titles that's something Pochettino hasn't done yet I think Tottenham need to win something this year by the way Klopp's done it Klopp's done it in a serious league beating a serious team so I think they'll be in there fighting for the top four top three to the end as long as they don't get any significant injuries Lallana one of their best players so far this season that's a blow for them I think isn't it mm. What about James Milner I think he is still underrated you know, I think yes. he's the pro's pro in many ways he also has Taking his taking himself off from international football, mm. so he's got no distractions whatsoever. Will he be a key figure in that dressing room? I think he will. A senior player, uh, an intelligent player, a hard-working player, an adaptable player, a guy who can slot into left back. We saw his contribution at the weekend. That penalty, a pressure penalty, as far as continuing that momentum for Liverpool is concerned, took it with a minimum of fuss. I think as far as Milner is concerned, he will indeed be a key player. And I think that decision not to continue with his international career, where he possibly felt he was underrated and people didn't give him the credit he deserved, I think that may well benefit Liverpool. And he's clearly a player who understands his career and the progress that it's made, doesn't he? And he's always had an appreciation of his yeah. strengths and weaknesses because when he came into the Leeds team, it's the same year as Rooney. He was this absolute whippersnapper, wasn't he? Mm. A young, pacey, attacking player. Yes, yes. Um, very different from James Milner of 2016, but that shows that rather than being, oh, I want to play in this position, I want to play in that position, mm. he's made himself adaptable and looked after himself very well to the benefit of whichever club he's been with. Yeah. Well, what about Manchester United, Tom? Jose Mourinho was talking about that, that draw at Swan, uh, Stoke being yeah. their best performance of the season. The usual smokescreen? Well, we saw a proportion of it in the Tottenham press room. Um, it seemed like they played well for the first third of the game, then Stoke came back into it, and then at the end you had the all-out salt and the goal that, that didn't produce a goal. I've read a few interesting things, actually, in recent weeks, listened to a few things, and some suggestion that Perhaps the tactics of the modern day, of, of the Klopp, of the Pochettino, of the Guardiola, have passed Mourinho by and he's no longer at the vanguard of football. I, I suppose a similar thing happened to Arsene mm. Wenger, didn't mm. it? But I think mm. a big problem Manchester United have is, is Paul Pogba and I did say this before he signed, I watch a lot of Italian football. Um, his first couple of first few years at Juventus, he was outstanding in that kind of number eight role but he was quite disciplined as well. It, this idea that he just marauds, he wasn't like that. Um, Working under Antonio Conte, 
he had a reasonable amount of discipline. I think since they gave him the tensure, Juve, he's decided all he needs to do is attack. He's this kind of playmaker. And I think he's excellent that any midfield role you give to him, he has so many natural gifts. If you gave him any one of those roles, he would play it superbly. But what you need is to impose the sort of tactical discipline on him. I thought Mourinho would be able to do that. I do too. It doesn't appear that he has been. I totally agree with that. I, I, I'm, I'm not disappointed. That's probably the wrong word. But I'm fascinated that Mourinho hasn't yet managed to unlock Paul Pogba in quite the way we expected him to. He's a hundred million pound footballer, and and he arrived with this all this fanfare, and everyone was talking about suddenly this was the player that was going to take United to another level, and they still look quite pedestrian when you compare them to the likes of City, or when you compare their all round work ethic with Spurs. At the moment, United haven't quite unlocked themselves yet. I think as far as uh, the game against Liverpool is concerned, they may well go toe-to-toe and compete well, but I still, I, I'm still quite underwhelmed at the moment by Manchester. I'm not going to say they're not going to win it. It's far too early to make that kind of presumption. But I just think as far as United are concerned... A, we haven't seen the best of Paul Pogba yet. Uh, B, we haven't seen the best of Henrik Mkhitaryan yet, who was I such a good player. Couldn't agree more. He's an outstanding player. And, and, you know, also, I'm, I'm surprised that Mourinho hasn't possibly done more to get the likes out of other players like Memphis Depay. And, and, and I thought he would be the coach that would come there and reinvigorate those players and, and get them to, to realise their potential. But at the moment, that, that point you make about possibly the way that other teams are approaching the game may have passed Mourinho by this season is turning out to be as much a challenge for him as an individual as it is for Manchester United What about Arsene Wenger then Tom? 20 and out? Probably, yes, I think so um, I, I mean all the quotes this year this week, well there were about two weeks of Arsene Wenger anniversary <laughs> <laughs> celebrations, weren't the queen. like the Queen exactly um, <laughs> Him saying, oh, I'd like to carry on, I'd like to carry on, I'd like to carry on. You think if they could win something this year, that would be a, a fitting... Win something or the league? The league or the Champions League, it'd have to be, wouldn't it? You're yeah, right. it has to be it'd the league. Be, yeah. Yeah. Um, that might be a, a time where he thinks, oh, I'll call it a day. But my colleague, James Ollick, has Arsenal in more depth than I do and frequently makes the point that there's never been anybody to challenge Wenger's authority since the departure mm. of David Dean. Um, and... Perhaps the problem there for too long has been he sets the agenda in just about every aspect of the club and you have to have something a bit more collegiate nowadays, don't you, I mm. think? It's, it's very interesting, Mike, that after the Burnley game, Wenger cracked open the, the greatest hits. So when they asked him about the... How about the, the goal? The goal, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> just a final point, almost go back to where we began. Sam Allardyce, do you expect him back in football soon, both of you? I do. I think uh, he's, if you like, taken his medicine. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether the FA pursue this potential disrepute charge that has been talked about, because obviously if that's the case, then he may well have no choice. But if it isn't the case, there will still be lots of people who are willing to take him on, because, listen, I've even heard him mention in dispatches for the Aston Villa job. I think as far as Allardyce is concerned, he does still have a good record at club level of saving clubs that are in trouble. And so, yes, I do expect him to be back. Tom? Absolutely. I think that whoever appointed him would take a hit initially, especially if it, they appointed him sooner rather than later, especially if it's in the Premier League, the financial reward 
outweigh whatever bad PR might come your way, even in terms of loss of sponsorship. Nothing beats that television deal. So Sam Allardyce's record is second to none, so I, I think he'll be back in yet. Well, I agree with the chaps. Football tends to rally around its own. Sam will be back relatively soon. I'll leave it to you to decide whether that's a good thing. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.